Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. So we've been talking about knowing the heart of God by looking at Jesus in the Gospels, just looking at His life. It's just the simple Gospel, the simple message of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. And we believe that is so life-changing when you begin to realize that what Jesus did, He didn't just do for everyone, but He did it for you. When you get that individual sense of this was really for me, that God cares about me, that He loves me, that He has something for my life. And that's so important for us to know especially in times like the one that we're facing right now, because so many people are kind of evaluating what it is that we need to live. We need space. We need freedom of movement. We need, you know, we need food. We need perhaps a thousand rolls of toilet paper. Who knows? You know, we need so many different things, or we feel like we need so many different things to be able to to live. And, and it's one thing to function. It's one thing to be alive biologically. It's a whole nother thing to thrive, to experience joy, to experience peace and purpose and meaning. And the kind of life that God calls us to, the kind of life that Jesus has for us, is that kind of a full life. He says, I've come to give you life and life to the full, to give us an abundance of life, not just surviving, not just bios, biological life, but zoe, God kind of life, the life that is abundant, that is overflowing, that is full. Are you experiencing that kind of life? Is that your experience of life? And what do we need in this life to have that experience, to experience satisfaction and fulfillment and meaning and purpose and depth? What is it that we need? Sure, we need water and we need bread and we need toilet paper and we need the essentials to be able to function. And those are all the things that people are clamoring over. But at the same time, a lot of people are struggling emotionally and, and mentally right now because they feel that there has to be more. There's more that makes a life a life. And this is what Jesus really meant when he said that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is really important for all you bakers out there that have been baking banana bread morning, noon, and night. Man shall not, you should put that, you should put that scripture up in your kitchen. Um, man shall not live by bread alone. But what did Jesus mean when he said that? What he was saying is, is that there is more to being alive than just having your physical sustenance, getting your nutrients in every day, being able to jog around the block and make enough money um, from your job to just be able to buy some groceries and live in a house. There's more to life than that. There's more to life than possessions. There's more to life than what we can own. There's more to life than, than you know, all these things that would be the basic level of survival. There's something deeper. There's something more. And art often points us in that direction. It, it's not the thing. It's just the thing point, often pointing to the thing. The old description of art or the, the ancient definition of it was to try and grasp something or express something of the divine, something that's the deeper truth behind all, behind all of the things that we do. And so, and so I want to talk a little bit about that today. I want to talk about how we need more than just physical bread to live on but that we need the bread of life. We need something deeper, the truth of God, the grace of God, the life 
of Jesus. And, and as we discover this, we find that, that we are able to have that life, that we're able to grasp it, live in it, enjoy it, that we can have peace, hope, joy, strength, confidence, courage, even in the midst of hardship and difficult times and you know, emotions that make us feel like we're, we're, we're overwhelmed. We can have that strength through the life of Jesus. And so I want to talk about bread a little bit today. And whenever I think about bread, look, let me just start off by saying that I love bread. If you're like me, is there anything better than the smell of warm bread that's just been baked, that's just come out of the oven? I don't care how keto your diet is, you know, um, you know, all the different, you could be on the South Beach, the Atkins, the, um, you know, there's so many. Um, but whatever diet you're on, Almost any diet can be corrupted and destroyed by the smell of warm bread. I remember when I was a kid, my mom and I used to drive up to our local cafe. It was about two or three blocks up the road. And it was the 80s. My mom had a blue Cressida station wagon. You know that Navy Cressida, Toyota Cressida station wagon? It was basically just the standard issue car for the 80s. And, uh, and I remember my mom and I... Um, we'd get in the car, we'd drive up to the cafe, and we would go and get bread. And the cafe that was there had a bakery, and, uh, and it would bake all the bread fresh. And back then, you know, bread wasn't sliced when you bought it. If you wanted it sliced, there was a massive white machine in the front of the store that you would have to pull the blades back. I can just, you know, I would have a, a heart attack just thinking about those machines being out there right now with my three kids. But it was the 80s. Nobody wore safety belts. People didn't, you know, really think about these things. Um, and you would pull a lever back and it would pull a series of blades backwards. And you would, with your own bare hands, <laughs> you would put in the bread and you would push the, you know, the, as you released the handle, it would push the bread through the blades and slice it for you. If you had the time to slice your own bread, that's how life was in the 80s. Um, but these days you just buy it kind of ready packaged, sliced in a bag, which probably is a lot safer for everybody. But my mom and I, we would drive off to, uh, to the store. We'd buy this bread and it would come, we'd literally wait at the bakery for it to come out of the oven. And they would put it in a brown paper bag and we would drive home with it. We usually wouldn't slice it. We would just cut it at home. Um, and so driving in the car, I remember that car, that entire station wagon just being filled with the beautiful smell of warm, you know, carbohydrate. <laughs> it's just, just so good. And we couldn't help ourselves. And so, so often, my mom and I, we kind of pull the top off the bread and just, you know, you stick your hand in and grab some warm bread and just put it in your mouth. And by the time we got home, we had eaten the entire bread. Um, and we would have to turn around and go back to the store to get another one. So, you know, bread is, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It smells great. And it is an important source of food, um, not just in our modern day time, but, but it has been for, for millennia. The Bible actually often speaks about bread and uses it as a powerful symbol for the life that we receive from God. In Luke 14, verse 15, which is where I want to kick off today, it says, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him, with Jesus, heard these things, heard the things that Jesus was saying and teaching, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. He was talking more than just talking about more than just physical bread or bread that you pick up from the bakery. He was saying that 
It is a blessing to be able to receive not just normal survival base level biological life, but the life that comes from God. I want to share a message with you today entitled, He is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Jesus is the one that gives us that abundant life. You know, bread is essential to life. It's seen as one of the most basic foods worldwide and one of the most important sources of food since ancient times. For many people, all they can afford is bread. All they can afford is that base level staple food. And so it's so important to keeping people alive across the globe that in many governments and many countries in the world, the price of bread is actually regulated by the government. There's a bread line, so to speak. That's what they call it because people who live below the bread line don't even have enough to be able to purchase this basic necessity for life. And so for centuries... Bread has been a symbol of life. When people speak about bread, they're talking about life. And the Bible has a lot to say about bread. There's so many scriptures, types, shadows, and illustrations or pictures about bread. Um, We see that even Jesus spoke about bread. And we just love how rich the Bible is in its imagery and how it uses these kinds of pictures to convey and to communicate the life that God has for it. It has power to speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls, and sometimes even our stomachs uh, to, to just uh, evoke that, that, that imagery, invoke that imagery in our, in our hearts and minds um, so that we can grasp the truth of what it is saying. We see that in the wilderness, when Israel were wandering the wilderness for those years and needed food, There was manna, which was a form of bread that fell from heaven as God gave bread from heaven. Inside of the Ark of the Covenant, where the Ten Commandments were, that was was seen as the throne of God on the earth at that point, that Ark, inside of it, manna was kept. Bread was inside. Inside of the tabernacle in the wilderness and also the temple in Jerusalem, there was a table of showbread that was baked fresh and and offered there, and it was there inside of the temple. In all of the feasts of Israel, there was bread that was shared, and Jesus, speaking to his disciples, took the bread on the night that he was betrayed, broke it and said, this is my body that is broken for you. All of these symbols, all of these pictures, all of these moments where we encounter bread in the scriptures ultimately point us to Jesus. He is the manna, the showbread, the, the bread shared and eaten at the feasts, all of them point to his life. Jesus is God's bread. He is God's life to us. The God's life that was sent to a starving world. In John 6 verse 32, it says, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread. From heaven, There is often this idea that in the scriptures where Moses, who represents the old covenant and the law, is kind of uh, weighed against what we have in Jesus. And so what he said is, what he's saying here is that you are not finding that fulfillment, that life in your keeping of rules, in your religion, in your law keeping, in your, in your you know, your, your devotion or your self-righteousness. It's not able to fulfill you, complete you, or make you holy. 
But in Jesus, we have all of those things. Jesus is the true bread. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven, just like that manna, and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. They're like, this sounds like some amazing bread. Can we have some of this bread? And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that when you put your faith in Jesus, you no longer have to go out to the store and buy groceries because you're now no longer hungry. This is talking about something deeper than a physical hunger. It's talking about the hunger of your soul. And Jesus is the one through his life and the righteousness that we have in him that fulfills that need within us. We'll no longer hunger. We'll no longer thirst. You see, the Pharisees or those that clung to the bread of Moses instead of wanting to receive the bread that God sent through his son Jesus, they didn't want him. They didn't want Jesus. They didn't want this new bread. They wanted to feed themselves. In fact, in this scripture, Jesus actually goes on to say, you don't want me, you just want bread. You see, we all do spiritual things. Even follow Jesus, listen to his teachings, apply the principles, as long as we can keep feeding ourselves. But that bread that we feed ourselves with through our own efforts is a bread that perishes. It doesn't last. It doesn't sustain. It doesn't fulfill. They came to Jesus and said to him at one point, how shall we do the works of God? And Jesus responds in John 6 verse 29. says, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That is so important. We've got to believe. That's the only way that we can do the works of God is when we put our faith in Jesus, when we eat of his life, when we feed on his goodness and his grace and his finished work rather than trying to sustain and feed ourselves. We've got to get our nourishment and our sustenance and our fulfillment from Jesus. It's interesting that in the Old Testament, With all the feasts of Israel, it required different offerings of bread. God was already giving Israel a clue to what he was going to do through his son, Jesus. He was already painting this picture for them to understand. And so often, as they brought these different offerings and celebrated different feasts, God instructed the the Israelites to use bread that was not leavened or unleavened, that didn't contain leaven. We see one of these cases in Exodus 12, verse 15. It says, seven days you shall eat your unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. In Leviticus 2, 11, it says, no grain offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven. For you shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering to the Lord made by fire. So why would God request this? You know, I often, I know that when I encounter these kind of strange things in the scriptures that I don't understand right off the bat, it's usually because I don't have enough context or because there's some part, some picture that I haven't fully come to understand. There's always a reason though. There's always a great reason. It's usually if you follow this trail and take these clues and look into it and study it out, there's always something so beautiful to be seen there. So why would God request that people would make their bread without leaven. Why was he so serious about leaven being added to bread? 
For a long time, I didn't understand it until I watched MasterChef Australia. And in watching MasterChef Australia, which, by the way, is the best MasterChef, um, they, you know, all the other countries pale in comparison. And I think it's because the judges are so nice. They're just really great guys. Anyways, I was watching MasterChef Australia. And what they were doing was having a masterclass where they were showing how to bake bread in this specific masterclass. And they started talking about leaven or what might more commonly be known as yeast. Leaven or yeast, pretty much the same thing. Leaven is actually, and this is what I learned through this masterclass, a microorganism. It's not just an ingredient, it's a living thing. And when it's added to dough, it consumes carbohydrates, leaving behind carbon dioxide bubbles, basically causing the, the, the dough to rise. It's those carbon dioxide bubbles that cause it to rise. And this process is known as proofing. So it proofs the bread. Essentially, it changes the composition or the substance of the bread. And so all of a sudden, it just clicked. And I realized what God was saying by asking Israel or commanding Israel not to have leaven in their bread. See, what God was saying was do not alter, do not change, do not add to the bread of life that I have given you, Jesus. Don't add to Jesus. The moment we add to the unleavened bread of the gospel, we change its substance, its very composition, its makeup. And what we're left with is something that is no longer the gospel, but what Paul describes as a perversion of the gospel. Don't add. If Jesus has saved you, don't try and save yourself. If he is your fulfillment, stop trying to fulfill yourself. If he is your satisfaction and your rest, stop trying to find those things in other places. You don't need Jesus plus. You just need Jesus. You truly need to be saturated in this good news and to receive him by faith. This is why Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 16, verse 6, and then again in verse 11 to 12, it says, Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so the disciples, they kind of say, wow, okay. I mean, are they bringing some bread from the bakery? Is it like, is there something wrong with the bread? Is it moldy? Is it, you know, they're still thinking physically. And Jesus kind of gets frustrated with them in this moment. And he, you know, he's like, how is it, verse 11, that you still do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread. In other words, physical bread, natural bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to be aware of the leaven of bread. It's not about the actual yeast in the bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was about what they clung to, their beliefs, what you know they felt was needed for righteousness. And this is what they were teaching. And Jesus says, beware. He verbalizes the picture. All of a sudden, it makes sense. He expresses what God's instructions to Israel in all of those feasts in the Old Testament really meant. He was saying, don't add to the gospel. Don't add your own truth. You know, so common these days, my truth to the truth. There's only one truth. We're not here to seek our own righteousness, to try and figure out life for ourselves, but to receive the bread 
that God sent from heaven. In Galatians 5 verse 1 to to 9, it says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision, which was that statement made to say that we're under that old covenant to be made right with God, if you're counting on your old covenant, your law keeping, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised or keeping the law, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses, 613 laws. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. Let that just sink in. For all of our law-keeping Jesus plus believers out there, it cannot be stated more clearly than this. Paul says, listen, exclamation mark. Listen, church. Listen, people of God. If you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well, Christian believer. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. For he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little leaven. There it is. That spreads through the whole batch of dough. Oh, my gosh, this is so clear for us to see. Jesus is the bread from heaven, not the law of Moses. When we try and fulfill the law, we reject Jesus. We're cut off from Christ. It's not law keeping that makes us right. It's putting our faith in God and living out according to that love that he has given us and the love that he has shed abroad in our own hearts. And you were running well. When you got saved, you believed in the grace of God. You believed that you were forgiven. You believed that you were the, the ch a child of God made right in his eyes. And then over time, religion crept in. The law made a comeback. And you felt if I was going to be a real Christian, I would have to go back and try and obey the laws of Moses. Don't do it, Paul says. You're, you're cutting yourself off from the truth. It's not God who called you back into the slavery to the law. He is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching, beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. This false teaching is like a little leaven that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Just a little bit of law added to the gospel ruins the gospel. When you help the gospel you lose the gospel. It entangles us and we fall from grace. You see how falling from grace, you know, when Paul says, look at the height from which you have fallen, doesn't mean that you have gone out and 
done all kinds of things that would be traditionally classified as sinful. It doesn't mean that you've gone back to smoking and drinking and, and, and partying. It, that's not what it means. Falling from grace means that you've stopped trusting in the righteousness that you got from Jesus, in the gift of his grace. And you've turned again to trying to justify yourself. This is so important for us to understand. He is the bread of life. Then Jesus likens the kingdom to leaven, the kingdom of God to, to heaven. So this is where it pivots. He, he turns this analogy on its head right now. Luke 13, 18 to 21 says, it says, Then he said, what is the kingdom of God like? Jesus is asking this. What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, Jesus said, which a man took and put in his garden. And it grew and became a large tree. And the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? Jesus is trying to get us an idea of what it means when God's reign and rulership enters your life. He says, it is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now, when I read that scripture, I actually tested this out. I got some dough from a local supermarket and I got some leaven and I put the leaven just straight into the dough, mixed it a little bit and just put a dishcloth over the top of the bowl. And when I came back, that entire thing had risen high. In fact, it was overflowing the bowl and it helped me to understand what Jesus was saying here. He's putting these two things together, the mustard seed of faith with leaven. He's saying, when you take your life, your life is that garden. Your life is that dough. And when you take faith in Jesus, like that kingdom of God, that rulership, when you surrender your life, just that tiny mustard seed of faith, and you add that little bit of leaven to your life, it grows. It grows. It works its way through. It it develops and it changes the composition of your life. It changes you. Just a measure of faith. As it slowly eats through your life, it transforms you. The Bible says that Jesus is both the author and the finisher of your faith. And the good work that he begun in you, he will be faithful to complete. God works in us to will and to do according to his good purpose. Not you striving to change on the outside, but God changing you as you put your faith, maybe just a little bit of faith in him today. He is able to transform you from the inside. So the kingdom of God is like that seed. It's like that little bit of leaven. In other words, what Jesus was saying to his disciples is do not add to the gospel. Do not change the gospel, but add the gospel to your life and it will change you. Don't change the gospel. Let it change you. How powerful. Paul speaking to the church of Corinth again uses this metaphor of leaven. In 1 Corinthians 5 Verse 6 to 8, he says, Your glorying is not good. You trying to glory in your own strength. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, 
purge out the old leaven. Again, the law, the leaven of old, the manna in the wilderness of Moses. That is not the bread of God. Purge it out that you may be a new lump. Since you truly are unleavened, God has renewed us, caused us to be a new creation. You don't need to add leaven to what Jesus has done. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. You see, that's why we don't need it. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Let us honor what Jesus has done for us. Not with the old leaven of the law, nor with the leaven of malice. So we're not using grace as an excuse to sin and wickedness. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Oh man, just sincere faith in Jesus and walking in his truth. You are unleavened. You are that new bread. You have a new life. We're not here to keep the leaven of old, the, the, the leaven of, of the doctrines of the old covenant or, or, the, you know, or sinfulness where we just make up our own laws. But we're here to walk in the newness of life, in the spirit, believing in who we are in Christ. In essence, we become what we already are in Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus and you believe that he is changing you, let's not leaven the gospel, but allow the gospel to leaven us. That's what we need in this time. In this time where we feel the difficulty of life, the, the stress, the anxiety, the strenuous nature of what we're all going through collectively. What we need right now is not more distraction. What we need right now is not more reasons or avenues for us to cope. What we need is to find our rest, our fulfillment in the bread that God has given us through his son, Jesus. He is, he is the bread of life. As you trust in him today, he is able to not only fulfill you in an instant, and deal with that deep hunger of your soul. But he's also able to continually transform you daily as you behold him, as you keep feeding on his goodness and his grace, you will be changed. Your life will look different, I promise you. I've experienced it. I've seen it in the lives of so many, and I'm so grateful for it. Many times I've tried to change myself and just couldn't. And then I trusted in Jesus to change me, and I felt the miracle happening on the inside. I want to go ahead and pray for you today and believe with you that as you put your faith, even though it might just be a tiny bit of leaven today, that it will completely transform your life and the lives of those around you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every heart, soul, mind, body listening to this right now. I thank you for every person, every individual, every family sitting together. God, right now we quieten ourselves, we take stock of all the things we've looked to to fulfill us, all the, this hunger that we felt, how, the many different ways that we've tried to feed ourselves and fulfill ourselves, the ways we've tried to justify ourselves. Father, we lay all of that down right now with the realization that man shall not live by physical bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the truth. Jesus is your word. He is your bread. 
And so, Father, we receive today his grace, his forgiveness, his love, his life. Fill us, God, that space, that hole that we've been trying to fill with so many things. God, we pray and we thank you that you fulfill every one of those right now, that you fulfill that need in our lives, that we would understand our significance, our worth, and the satisfaction that we have in you. I want to encourage you, if you've never prayed this prayer, just a prayer where you give your life to Jesus. Just pray it with me now. Say, Lord Jesus, I've experienced the hunger and I believe today that you are the one who was sent from heaven to die for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be received by God, reunited with him, and that I can experience the fulfillment that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for fulfilling me, for the good work that you've begun in me, and for the good work that you will be faithful to complete. You are my life. You are the bread of life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, please let us know. If you listened to that prayer and thought it was ridiculous, and I know that often it sounds ridiculous when, you, when, you, when it hasn't quite broken through yet, that's okay. Keep thinking about it. Nobody is forcing anybody to make a decision. We just want to raise the question, and you can answer it in your own soul. But we know, for those of us that have made the decision, the joy and the fulfillment that comes from knowing that Jesus is our bread. And he is daily bread. You know, give us today this daily bread. He is the one that gives us all that we need. So church, you have in this moment absolutely everything that you need. Trust in it. Believe in it. And we are with you. We're praying for you. We love you. We'll keep encouraging you. Keep engaging with us during the week. We've got a lot of stuff going on online. Keep engaging with us. We're praying for you. And we will see you again next Sunday. God bless you.